On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. If I don't hear silence, I'm going to start punching dicks. This is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. We're not here to take part. We're here to take over. From the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. If we have to take this young soy, it's all young soy. We don't give a baller. Here's your hosts. Whatever this is we're doing, we're drinking beer and talking sports. Rob Christie and Matt Robinson. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside episode 908 of the Tall Can Audio podcast. Getting you, getting you set for another week. What are you saying today, man? I'm not sure about punching dicks. <laughs> and, and really, I, I, I'm going to, I would really prefer it didn't happen. Yeah. But I'd take a punch in the dick over a punch in the balls. Just, just saying. Yeah. No, I think that's fair, right? Like it's, it, there's something about the way that's going to go down there's <laughs> well, and anybody's going to come right out and say it i'm going to punch you right in the dick you're like ah it's your go-to eh that's, that's, your, that's your first choice right okay well uh, no are you into uh ted lasso that's where that clip comes from you probably uh, haven't I, seen I, it i have not seen it yeah. i've heard a pile about it yeah some good yep some not good i would say i'm midway through season two which I, I believe I'm very close to caught up to uh, to where they're at. It, there was a ton of talk around season one, greatest show ever, like revolutionary, just hysterical. It's fine. Like, that's all it was to me. It, it's a good show, but all this talk that it was going to be so great was a little a little overblown. Um, so yeah, I, I don't mind it, but uh, whatever. What about Succession? You into that one? Nope. Okay. Nope. That's I, an HBO. Uh, yeah, and I go in for that. I do love me a little... HBO. Yeah. Um, yeah. After Peaky Blinders, I made the, I made the move over to Boardwalk Empire. Right. So I'm, I'm about halfway through that, but, um, I'm interested. I'm looking for, I'm looking for stuff. Yeah. Well, this one is fun. It's, uh, now I've, I've sort of complained online. I don't remember if I've done on the show that, that there's a lot of, to me, similarities between a lot of the HBO style shows. Like to me, this show, this, um, this succession is entourage, but with a rich media family instead of movie stars. Like Ballers. Ballers is athletes instead of rich movie stars, right? There's a few of them out there that kind of fit this, you know, formula where I still enjoy them, but you're like, all right, I can tell already what you're going for here. And they're all written by different people, which is whatever. But yeah, for some reason, they all still kind of ring the same bell for me. Well, and 
and Mark Wahlberg, his his production company is is responsible for Boardwalk Empire. Okay. Um, I don't know who thought casting Steve Buscemi as the as the lead. Like it's a good show. He is not a handsome leading man <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, right? And so it's it's odd. You sort of have to. He, he does a good job, right? He wears some great suits. He looks good, but he's got a terrible face, man. He's got a face for radio, big time, <laughs> or for an Adam Sandler movie. It's fine there, right? Do your thing, but for you to be a, a serious leading man, I'm not really sure. Well, as uh, we move off of that, as uh, we do our audio-only podcast instead of our YouTube version, a couple guys with a face for radio, what are we sipping on today, man? I'm back to our good friends at Henderson Brewing. Mm. This is their... Very extremely limited edition. <laughs> yeah, just I was just on the website and it's like, yeah, no longer available. Okay. It's an English golden ale called Beds and Breakfasts. Multiple. Yeah. That's really, I was like, what? It's odd. Yeah. An English golden ale. I don't know. It, it, I'm sorry about that. I'm getting all excited, waving my hands and shit. <laughs> uh, it's fine. It's got a little bit of... Um, little something off the hop here. I'm not really sure what that is. I want to say I was expecting something a little crisper, really, but it sort of has a little malty shot up front. It's, it's, it's calling itself hazy, but who isn't calling themselves hazy these days? Right. Um, hazy these days. Yep. So far it's, it's, it's good. Okay. It's fine. I was, I was hoping for something. Yeah. A little crisper, a little, uh, a little easier drinking but this is a little, um, it's a little up in my face to begin with. So, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll sort of work my way into it and, and we'll see how it goes. What do you got? Now this is new for me for sure. And I don't even think, I don't know for sure if I've ever had anything from this brewery. Now our buddy, uh, Steve Lloyd highly recommends the Ashton Brewing Ashton, Company. Yes. Um, yesterday had the pleasure of catching up briefly with, uh, with Shrides and her husband, Josh. A uh, little visit, and they brought me some Ashton. Never, uh, never disappointed. Guests show up and leave beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, always a winning combination. So they brought some stuff from Ashton, and like I said, I know I've never had this beer before, but this might be my first pint in general from Ashton. Uh, this is called Irene's Red Ale. It's supposed to be an Irish red, um, and it says it's going to be a little sweet, but uh, very smooth. So we'll see what that's all about. Like I said. Um, I think this first one from Ashton. Do you know, can you remember off the top of your head? Have you sampled anything from Ashton or have we tried anything in here? No, no. And it's funny. I was going to wait for you to crack that. And, uh, to say that I've never had anything from Ashton. And yeah, when Lloydie was in, the three of us were throwing around some beers. Yeah. That's what, uh, I certainly recall him saying that. And I think, wasn't it the brewery that he worked at turned into Ashton or wasn't that what he was saying about his, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've heard the story a couple times, yeah. both on the radio and here. And I have to get him back in to refresh our memory, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at TallCanAudio, Facebook.com slash TallCanAudio. Um, make sure you're subscribed. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pods. Look, wherever. Wherever you're hearing me speak to you right now, <laughs> there's a follow button. There's a subscribe button. There's a thumbs up. There's something. Just hit it. If you've stumbled into us here today, yeah. welcome. Around. 
Uh, we'll mention that uh, last week, in case you missed it, our buddy Andy Nita was back on the podcast, and uh, he's been on every year for, I think this was his fourth straight year, and um, to talk about the uh, the, ca- uh, the calendar, it sounds like I've already drank <laughs> half of mine, uh, the uh, the craft beer holiday advent calendar that, uh, that Nita puts together, uh, 24 different pints over 24 days, and... Um, I think there's 18 breweries this time, so pretty good number. Uh, really interesting conversation with him about this year's calendar, about the craft beer industry right now, where all that's at. Um, always cool when uh, when Andy drops by. And also over the weekend, we dropped, uh, I know not everybody checks out the pod on the weekend, but uh, we did drop one over the weekend with our friend Dr. Vicky Forster. Tons of craft beer talk there as well, mm. plus a bunch of Leafs. And uh, really the main reason or the big reason we had her on was to uh, talk about the article she'd written for Forbes about how to uh, how to make the the jab right the vaccination a little less painful, a uh, little less traumatic for your kids. Um, she wrote a great article on that, and uh, now that that's up and running, uh, kids are getting the vaccination. If you're having a hard time talking them into it, or you're you know your kids a little bit uh, worried about needles, it's a worthwhile uh, listen. Um, Vicky was uh, was very good with that, wrote a great article at Forbes. We have shared the link in the show notes there. That's at tallcanaudio.com. So make sure you check those out. I love the affiliation with anybody writing for Forbes. Yes, okay. That 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 brings us that brings us a certain a little cred. A little cachet. I like it. And the British accent too makes her uh, you know, it just sounds more smarter. And, and maybe sure. the only person who's ever come on here who gets to use the prefix doctor. Doctors do not bother with the Talking Audio podcast. Yeah, so. not, not normally. No. So, uh, yeah, a couple good ones there. Make sure you check them out wherever you're listening right now or at tallcanaudio.com. Tell me something before, before you, before you launch into whatever goodies you have planned over there. Mm-hmm. Always goodies, man. We are recording this on the 28th of November. Where do you stand on Christmas tunes right now? No good. In three days, four days, whatever, December 1st, fine. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, three days. Yeah. Only 20, only 30 days in November. I'm, I am totally against it. Totally against it. Now I did some, uh, some work briefly for a, uh, a radio station here in town. Yeah. And there, theirs was November 15th. We'll start, uh, or November 12th, we'll start sprinkling it in occasionally And uh, by November 17th or 20th, so not too long after, it'll start being a fairly regular part of the rotation, and then it comes hard at you as of December 1st. I just, you know, there's a little snow on the ground, so that's, I'm not ready. I'm I'm just, I need to physically... You're a bit of a Grinch, too. Yeah, it's true, man. It's true. Uh, And I I don't begrudge anybody else. I'm going to have the tree up by... The sixth or seventh. Mm-hmm. I love the tree, a natural tree. I love it up. Nights with the lights on, right? I, I like all that. I don't have a real love for Christmas. I, there's a there's probably 20, 30 that I keep on a playlist that I like. Right. But I'm I'm in the Uber on the way over here today, and A, buddy's listening to French radio. Whatever happened to the in the Uber where they want to make my ride more pleasurable and <laughs> Maybe they'd like to, I'd like to listen to my music or maybe I'd like to, no. I said to Buddy, I'm like, hey, I gave him the, I'm like, we're going to this blank because I like to double check. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know, it'll tell me. <laughs> that gives me tons of confidence. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> we're going to see how this whole thing unfolds. 
Yeah, and he's listening to French radio. So I'm right. like, ah, oh, this is this is not. Rob's not loving this. And then now the Christmas tune was Feliz Navidad by Jose Felicien, which I don't mind. I could probably hear that tune sporadically throughout the year. And, right. you know, okay, yeah. you can picture a guy with a donkey, maybe. I don't know what's happening <laughs> there. There's clapping and there's happy people. I just, to me, it's, but yeah, they're just too much too early is makes, makes for an unpleasant Christmas season. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's too soon. Uh, December 1st, what, uh, everything's fair game, right? But, you know, as of like Labor Day, you're starting to see Halloween costumes and then October 1st, before those are even out of the store, it's, there's Christmas shit all over the place and it's a bit much, man. It's a bit much for well, sure. And, and again. But I'm a bit of a sucker for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and every year we talk about this yeah. and, and we, we come at it from, from two different sides. Yeah. Which is fine. And, and I, I, you know. Because I'm a jaded prick, I don't, I, it doesn't mean it has to extend to everybody. No. And so at one point before my heart was broken or turned to black glass, I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved it too. Right. And so you sort of, um, it's great for kids. It's mm-hmm. all those things. But yeah, I spent a little time last week driving around with my mother who listens to like move 103 or yeah. whatever, whatever it is. I don't know, man, but it's, it's full on, not even a sprinkling. It's Christmas tunes all the time. And the 25th or 6th of November is far too early for Bing Crosby. <laughs> okay. I'm thinking about your, uh, your Uber driver there. Cause I, I told the story on Twitter once and I was Ubering home in the old world, right? Prior to COVID and, uh, the guy asked me, we were about halfway home. It was late. It was probably one or two in the morning on a whatever. Were you lit and did you fall asleep? I didn't fall asleep. I may have been lit. <laughs> um, I couldn't, I couldn't have fallen asleep. That's the, what I'm about to tell you here is the guy said, do you mind if I turn up the radio a bit? Yeah, no problem. Mm. And, uh, he cranks up the most hardcore gangster francophone rap <laughs> you have ever heard in your life. And, uh. I can remember I, I was on the way home and I tweeted, I said, the, my driver just asked me if he could turn up the radio when he did, it was this, I should have asked him to be more specific, right? Like what yeah. is it we'll be cranking up now? Can so. it be get into the groove by Madonna or, you know. Buffalo stance. Nice. Yeah. Now, now you're talking. <laughs> um, yeah, no, not, and, and really. I should have had, I should have said yes, if it's live 88.5 or yes, if it's, you know, whatever, but I'm going to need you to to run this one detail further than you've given me well, so far. And so the guy today was listening to a, uh, a station out of Gatineau. All the commentators were in, were in French. Most of the songs were in English. Mm-hmm. So there was Betty Davis eyes nice. by, uh, whoever I can't, Kim Carnes. Right. Then it Look was at an, that poll. Yeah. Then it was an Adele song. And so then the Felicien, you know, so, but I'm like. Then some French song comes on that's, it's gotta be a French country song. So it's got the kind of the twang and everything's going in the back. Alain Jackson. Yeah. I I don't know, but I can understand chien, camion, pluri. So it's raining, his dog, his truck. I I, I get all. that's country for sure. For sure, man. I just missed the perdu, whether he's lost these things. (laughs) I, I don't know what's happened, but it's raining and he's in his truck with his dog. So. Yeah. 
All right. Well, let's stay in the music world here for a second because uh, Taylor Swift, two weeks ago, Tay-tay. put out a uh, T-Swizz, uh, put out a new redubbed version of a previous album. Have you seen these that she's doing Taylor's versions? Of, t- of Taylor's songs? Well, yeah. Because somebody else owns her. That's right. So for people who aren't familiar, essentially with her previous record label, um, she was unhappy with them and wanted to leave, but they keep the rights to her music unless she finds a loophole and re-records them and, uh, and just encourages you. This is, you know, 17 Taylor's version. And then she asks you to download that instead so that, you know, her previous record label isn't getting the money for her yeah. work. Um, you can think whatever you want about that, but there's four albums. I kind of like it. I do too, sticking it to whatever. And, and I don't go out of my way. I don't have a lot of Taylor in my collection, to be honest with you, but there is a song or two that I like, and I haven't gone out of my way to find Taylor's version, but uh, she's added to make this happen more or to incentivize you. She'll, so the album that she just did two weeks ago was uh, called Red. It was one of her biggest albums ever. And, um... So instead of just re-releasing re-recordings of those songs, she'll give you the whole session. There was 30 songs that were brought into the recording studio um, before it got boiled down to 12 or whatever made the original album, right? So you'll get it all is sort of the the pull. And uh, so there's a song, and this became a huge kind of underground internet thing for a while called uh, All Too Well. And it wasn't really released as a single. It sort of found its own life and then was forced out as a single. And it's about four minutes long or whatever. And there was always these rumors that this was about Jake Gyllenhaal, an ex-boyfriend, right? And the song is about how he ruined their relationship kind of thing and how hung up on it. Isn't that what all of her songs are? There is some truth to that, yes. So there was always this rumor floating around afterwards. There's a longer version of that song. There's a 10 minute version of All Too Well that's this like epic ballad taking you through the whole story. But no one ever knew that it was true until about six months before um, this particular re-release came out. She kind of, she's big on social media in terms of kind of teasing you with, you know, there's little puzzles in some of her little videos that she puts out that real hardcore Taylor Swift fans can find. And it'll be the release date or, you know, an upcoming tour or something. And she just sort of hinted that I'm re-releasing Red and uh, there'll be something 10 minutes long on it. And it just set the internet on fire like, oh, it's real. Oh, my God. Now, maybe. <laughs> 10 re- minutes long, people, she said. 10 minutes long. Maybe she wrote the 10 minute. Maybe she heard the rumor, wrote a 10-minute version after the fact, right? Maybe it never existed when we all thought it did. When you listen to this song now, it could not be any more clear who and what she's talking. There's a lot more time to go into detail and uh, and go through this whole thing. And, and as she's talking about the time frame that it's going on, you know, people who know her better than I do certainly can go back. That's when she was dating Jake Gyllenhaal. And it set the internet on fire, man. This 10 minute version of All Too Well, which by <laughs> just by chance I happen to be listening to as you walked in here today. That's yeah, okay. I'm enjoying it because I liked the original version too. So um, I should say the original version kind of dates back more to her sort of country time, like she's playing a guitar in it at least and whatever. This 10-minute version is very much the, a more pop kind of modern Taylor sound, but the story is still great to the point where there are now like country music stars who, you know, aren't coming right out and saying, but Dolly Parton tweeted like a week after this version came out, didn't use any names, didn't whatever, um, 
but uh, the first line of the song is about how she has uh, had left her scarf behind at his house the first week they were dating or whatever. And he never, he never gave it back. He kept it for all this time because it reminded him of whatever, right? <laughs> Dolly Parton tweets out, if that young man still has some, if that young man still has her scarf, he should send it back right now. <laughs> it's just, it's become this meme again, man. So the reason I bring all this up, besides the fact that I love the story and I la- I dig the song for sure, um, is that uh, this re-release, Taylor's version of Red, has gone to uh, number one on uh, on the album charts, however they calculate them now that they're all digital, right? So it's has a it, billboard it number one. ABBA out of the... So sh- this is her 10th LP to go to number one. On, uh, on the Billboard charts. That ties her with Elvis Presley, Eminem, Drake, and Kanye West, which is quite the crew. Yeah. That is nine behind the leading band. There is a band out there who has had 19 number one LPs. Would you like to take a stab at that band? This is a long way to get to this question, but... It's U2. It's not U2. It's the Beatles. It is the Beatles. Should have went with the Beatles first. They were. But I didn't think they had 19 albums. Honestly, because they're just, when you actually look back at the Beatles career, like U2 makes sense because they've been around for like 40 years and they're still putting out music. Yeah. The Beatles, not that long. Like they didn't last that long. It's less than a decade. Yes. Who puts out 19 LPs in a decade? Well, and that's back before the day where they started prostituting out all kinds of Christmas albums and you're like, hey, you have one album, put a Christmas album out. And then a live album and then a hits album. and then (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, hits, you you just have one album. Right. It's all there. Um, You, you're a bit of a, a bit more of a music history guy than I am. Like if I, I, if I asked you to name some Rolling Stones albums and stuff, you could do that. Were you ever a Beatles guy at all? Well, I, I know they were before your time, but yeah, they are absolutely. Of, no, of course. Yeah. But. Um, I really like the Abbey Road album. Right. Um, but in terms of if you were, if you were to ask me to name, I could give you the white album. I could give you Sergeant Peppers. Like I, you could name more Stones tunes than I Beatles give, tunes. Yeah. Well, I'm way more when it comes down to that question. Are you a Stones yes. or a Beatles guy? Right. I am much more of a, uh, I got time for both, Yeah, but certain periods, sure. right? Um, but I'm much more of a Stones guy than I am a Beatles guy. Right. But yeah, I, I do have some time for, for some Beatles. Yeah. 19. That's a lot. LPs. That's a lot. Take that Oasis. Suck it. <laughs> and then a five-way tie for second place that features Taylor, Elvis, Eminem, Drake, and Kanye. Well, and, and Taylor... I, I like the I like the way she takes care of her business. Yeah. She's she's I what how does it go? Yeah. If she was a man, she'd be the man. <laughs> she may be anyway. For sure. <laughs> yeah, no, just sticking it to the old uh, label like I I do I do like that. Um let's uh carry on I guess into some actual uh some sports stuff going on here. And to me the most interesting slash satisfying story of the week is uh is Matt Murray being waived by your Ottawa Senators. Um, have we hit two o'clock yet? Maybe while I'm setting up the good people up, you can check your Twitter. I don't know if that's doable right now. But um, as of 2 p.m. on uh, Saturday, he was placed on waivers. It was Elliot Friedman who had reported on Friday that he would be placed on waivers um, the next day after having a pretty terrible start to the year. He's 05 and 
0 and 0-5-0. To start the year. Not great last year, although had his moments. Um, and he's signed to this four-year deal that clearly was a problem when they signed it, but I don't think they could have envisioned it going this badly. And so we get to a place where all of a sudden, um, out in Anaheim, the coach won't even use him. They He's healthy scratch. And he tries to say, you know, he was going to back up anyway, so we might as well give him the full day off. And I actually have time for that argument sometimes. I don't think that's what this was. And clearly based on the fact they were waving him the next day, that's not what this was. He's been brutal. And, you know, at uh, if this does turn out to be the end of his time with the Ottawa Senators, for your $25 million commitment to this guy, you've gotten uh, 33 appearances at 10, 18, and 1 record and an 892 save percentage and stats that are in the bottom three of eligible, uh, you know, guys who played eligible minutes in every major category across the league. It's been a disaster. So he's cleared, yeah. um, which is which is no surprise. Any, anything, you know, any thoughts uh, on 32 thoughts yesterday, last Saturday night during the... Um, the hockey games, they were talking about maybe Buffalo and Arizona, which is, for a Senators fan, it's an absolute pipe dream. <laughs> uh, but the reality is they put him on to send him down and and leave him. And whatever happens, he'll be back. Like, this isn't a Wade Redden situation with the Rangers where he spent the rest of his career in Springfield. This is... You're going to go down and you're going to play for six weeks and you're going to fix your shit or, or you're not. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what to expect, but you can't have him here continuing to do what he does, right? Like if you look at that San Jose game last week, he made some great saves and he let a couple of fucking howlers in. Like just ones where you look at it and you go, oh my God, how do you. How do you not stop that? Like at least two of them. Right. And when you have a young, fragile team, man, watching them play Saturday night against a really not a great Kings team, they look like there's nobody with any talent on that team. Like the way they're playing right now. Yeah. No, I watched some of that too. They look terrible, horribly um, uncomfortable. Like yep. just well, and, no and DJ put the, yeah, DJ put them all in a blender. So. You had everybody playing up and down the lineup. Um, you know, Norris invisible for large portions of the night, right? Just, it just, it was, and, and at least Gus, Gustafson in net last night, he battles. Yeah. Like the Kings directed, I think, almost 30 shots towards the Senators net in the first period. <laughs> 20 made it there and, and Gus holds him in. It's 1-1 when you leave the first period that's what you need. And Murray was not giving that at all. Like he, there were moments where, you know, one or two gassers, a period. Like it's just, so I love the idea. What, what do you need as, as a rebuilding team? What do you need? You need to have reliable goaltending and structure, right? Right now, this team with Matt Murray specifically not getting good goaltending. Right. And they they don't have any structure. Now that to me is on DJ. Yep. Um, this team continually, you know, you look at teams that have also have crappy D, but 
with with good coaching. Like I look at a couple of years ago when Trotz arrived on the island, 100 goals they cut off yep. with a coach. And I, I, hey, Barry Trotz, that's going to be a Hall of Famer coach. Sure. But you need to take what you have. And I know it's hard to make chicken soup out of chicken poop, but you got to do something. Well, so Graham I'm, Nichols wrote a great piece, as, and he's often a guy that I will go to looking for first reactions, right? The Sens fan base has... His, like was, a, his was holy shit, I think. Yeah. Um, and, but he wrote a great piece on uh, on Rome in a day. And I, I just... He said at the beginning of the season, Gus needs to be your guy. Through camp, he was your number one goalie. It's time you're going to have to figure out this mistake that you made with Matt Murray, which he also said was a mistake at the time that they gave him the contract. Cause these numbers now, these aren't isolated to one mm-hmm. rough start and a 56 game season last year. He yeah. has been one of the worst goalies in the league statistically for four years now. Now I didn't mind the idea that the senators went out and wanted to give him another, you know, give him a chance. There yep. was some pedigree there. Yep. So but the contract was horrendous the second they signed it. Yep. And he's done nothing to justify it. Um, unathletic, bad glove hand, like just... No glove hand. Right. And so there's just a lot going on there. And with the amount of capital, both financial and, you know, picks. I know it was a second round pick and a prospect, I believe, that went to... I think it was just a second. Could be to, uh, to the Penguins. This has been a disaster. And so one of the things that Graham pointed out is... Dave Cameron, when he was coaching here, had some issues, but he made one final mistake or one final thing when he plays Matt O'Connor as in the home opener to start a season. And that embarrassed management. Um, The fan base wasn't loving it because everyone knew Matt O'Connor is probably not the long-term guy here. It just wasn't the right thing to do in most people's minds. Now, the coach goes, if I think that's the guy that, can get me a win right now. That's the guy I'm going to play. It cost him his job ultimately. Who is going to pay a price here? Because this is a horrendous use of of assets all across the board. Like I said, both in in picks and in um, money, but also in ability to read the market. You didn't have to do that last year because everyone knew the Vegas or the Seattle team was coming in was going to have their pick of goalies, and that was going to make a bunch of goalies available, right? You didn't even read the market correctly because teams would rather get something and trade their guy rather than Seattle just pluck it, right? So that was on the table as well, and they didn't read that. Instead, they went out and got a guy that had been bad for two years, gave him a pile of money. Who's responsible for that? Is DJ Smith responsible for the way the team's playing in front of him? We can have that debate. Is Pierre Dorian responsible for doing a piss-poor job of reading... The, the market that he was in at that point and how much longer does he get at this point? And I can remember saying to you at some point, by Christmas, there will be only one Pierre in the front office of the Ottawa Senators. As things got started, I didn't feel that way anymore. I started to think, all right, like what I'm sitting here now going, Eugene's got to be pissed right now because it's one of the reasons that teams like Buffalo or like Arizona would not take a flyer on him just to see and to help, you know, with that, I think it's a five and a half million dollar cap hit. Um, is that that it's backloaded $7 million next year, $8 million the year afterwards in real money. No one's taken that. As you said, this is a disaster of a contract. Maybe 
and I, I'll defer to Graham on this one, maybe the worst contract the team has ever signed. Yeah, well, the Bobby Ryan contract is, yeah, okay. is right there. Yeah. Uh, the one they inherited on Zaitsev from... Yeah, but they didn't sign that. Yep. It's bad no, trade. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, to me, it's, it's the Ryan one is what, is what comes to mind. But, but again, at least you got something from Bobby. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of questions. There's a bunch of things you've, you've, you've thrown a pile down on the table. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. To me, I didn't mind the second. I didn't mind the opportunity, the swing they took on, on bringing him in at the time they brought him in. We both agreed you were much more uh, vociferous in your in your in your concerns about the the value, the amount of money. Yeah, and, and and that has that has proven to be spot on. Like really, anything above the minimum is probably. <laughs> um, but your question and and the talk about the two Pierre's by December by by Christmas was that was a statement made before they extended him. Because once the season sta- right. once the season started, both DJ and Pierre Dorian, Pierre Dorian have both been ex- extended. Yep. So my short answer to your very long winded question hmm. was, is nobody's going to pay for this right now. Who should? Is Everybody's it, skating uh, on on new Ooh, ex- on new extensions. Now we'll see. There's talk that some of these are club options as they go out. I, I don't know that for a fact. Those are whispers and rumors. Right. Um, but yeah, to me, this is just one more brick in the wall that is the pro scouting being terrible on this team. Right. Right. And if you were looking to rebuild and you're, and you're constantly trying to add in veterans, fold good leadership veterans into the, into the mix, you failed to do that. Again and again. So who should pay for it? It's absolutely Pierre Dorian who should, who should, who should suffer for this, but it won't. Right. I'm starting to wonder more and more about DJ Smith too. I do have time for the debate that he hasn't been given a ton to work with at at different points, but this is the second straight season where at the beginning of the year, you went with veteran options where you could have gone with, with younger options. And I, you know, last year we look back to step on and. There was a guy or two on defense, not Josh Brown, Brown and Good Branson, right. and Coburn, right? Um, Oof, Cedric Paquette, like just a bunch of guys. And this year, you could make that same argument that coming out of camp, Gus was ready, but you went with Murray as the veteran guy. Now, there's a different dynamic there because one of those guys has a huge long term contract that you yep. better try and make sure is going to work out for your team. But I wonder if he hasn't failed at times to, and these these are observations that ring back to me when he was coaching the Leafs and I hated the way he ran the D and I hated the minutes that he would give Zaitsev and I, you know, maybe I've just never been a a DJ Smith guy, but there are alarm bells on the job he's doing too in terms of the way he's allocating minutes to, to vets over guys that maybe it's time for them to play. Yeah. Well, we talked about this before. They lucked into the Gustafson solution last year, right? Due to injuries, due to incompetence. Right, that they lucked into, and they're like, "Hey, look at that guy! Woo, look at that!" And and let's look at this year with with Lassie Thompson. Yeah, You're everybody's like, got COVID. I guess get in there, kid. Not like, ready, not ready, not ready. Okay, yeah, COVID, get in there. And you're like, "Oh, <laughs> looks like he's ready." That guy's better than like four other guys <laughs> that we're trotting out here every night. You're like, "Poof, who knew?" Right. And then yeah, you're like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna healthy scratch him on on Saturday against the Kings because." 
it'll be too much time for him. You're like, what is he? Now, he's been a minus player in every game, but who hasn't? Yep. Like, don't no, give me. No, when you're me, losing this often. Don't give me that. No. And so, yeah, I, I'm like, why Why would you do that? Right. Um, anything else on the sends? Oh, just to me, you're going to, it's, it's, they will not spend all that money for him to stay in Belleville. This is not. Well, they could buy him out at the end of the year. It yeah. would save them some money long-term. You're still going to have to pay him a whack, but right. you'd but get out from under some of it. But they're also talking about, do you buy out <laughs> Colin White, right? Do you I buy out? that guy. Well, and He's this is a guy who. out of mind for a bit here. This yeah. was a, this was a make or break year for him, right? Yeah. Because at the end of this year, they can still buy him out for only one third. Right. Right. Due to his age and service. Yeah. So, but, but do you Thank do, you for your service. You're out of here. But do you do that now when the guy's going to be injured for the entire season? You're like, oh, snap. <laughs> so yeah, like how many guys can you buy out that you've given shitty contracts to? Right. And, and again, I, I would well, That's love, where the GM takes the uh, fall. For sure. This is your own mess. There's so much of a mess he's made on re-signings and pro-signings. Like yeah. it's, and, and if DJ doesn't want to have young guys- well, it doesn't matter how well you draft. It doesn't no. if, if the coach doesn't want to play him. So either he's got to go or you need to start bringing him more bad veterans, I okay, guess. but you're like, oh, wait, just six weeks ago, we gave him an extension. Yeah. Well, again, that's on Dorian. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's on Dorian for sure, but it's also on Melnick. Yeah. Because I, I don't think there's too much that happens here that doesn't happen. No, I agree with that. His sticky Boston cream fingers in. <laughs> okay. I, I just... We had this conversation at, uh, at the beginning of the year or whenever the Dadanov trade happened. And there's, that was a good move. You managed to get rid of that contract. That's your own mess you're cleaning up. You don't get credit for that. You yeah. just don't, right? Well, like if you made a mess and you clean it up, you're back to zero. You're not getting yeah, yeah. credit for that. It, it, is, it isn't even. It's like being accused of a crime and then you are acquitted of it and you're like, People are like, isn't that a great thing? And you're like, no, fucker. Not particularly. <laughs> right. I'm back to square one, but I had to go through all that shit. Right. So yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly the scenario. And so, but the fact that he was able and we got Holden out of it, who has been Pretty ser- serviceable. serviceable is exactly right. Uh, yeah. So you, not only did you get rid of that contract, but you. You got a piece. Yep. So yeah, he's done a terrible job, a terrible job on the pro side. There's no, and, and who knew? Who knew that their, their start that was so tragic last year. <laughs> they is, would run the exact same start. Well, they're going to, they're going to, they don't play till Wednesday. Right. So they're going to roll into December 1st with nine points. Hey, I think, that, I think Shrides a, was telling me that this is the, the exact same start as it, last it, year. They're, they're, they've equaled yes. their record. The horrible start. And, and so... And at this to start this year, they were two and one to start with. You're like, we didn't get two wins until our 14th game. And you're like, oh, wait, we're not getting any more. So yeah, this team is on a 38 point pace. Ooh, good Lord. Yeah. Now obvious no one stays that. That's right. And, and, but it's, you're like, this is, this is, this is crazy how bad it is. And, and, and really what it is, is there's still some good pieces, but you have failed in, in an epic way. To support those young players with anything useful. And you watch the team now, there is just not enough NHL talent on that team. In the bottom six, on D, 
and at times in net. Like yep. you, you just have it. This is a, you have pieces coming. Yeah, no, for sure. But, but you have made this much harder than it is right now. Right. And so. Yeah. yeah. And this is a conversation you and I have had. It's a conversation that Shrides and I have had. Like we just yesterday I said, like I agreed and I still do with most Sens fans that say the future looks bright, but I was a little perplexed by how quick a lot of people thought this was going to happen and that this was the, the play meaningful games right down to the end year. I, I didn't think they were this bad, obviously, but I didn't yeah. think they were there yet. And, um, you know, maybe next year. You get Sanderson in there, maybe JBD's ready, you know, Gus has got a year under, maybe then you start to turn the corner a bit, right? Timmy Stutzla hasn't gotten off to a great start this year, but sophomore slump is not, not uncommon. Not great is, is, is kind and generous. All right, but not uncommon for a right, second year guy. Sure. Um, so we'll see, right? But uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you, still in the, uh, the realm of hockey and uh, still somewhat in the Senators universe, is uh, as we sit here right now, um, prior to tonight's Toronto Maple Leafs game, which will be Jason Spetz's 1200th career game. And, um, I wonder what you think his, his legacy is. Is that a guy who, you know, we talk all the time, we do the hall of fame debates and stuff like that. It, to me, as often as not, and you can be surprised when someone lays the, the case out in front of you and gives you the numbers. It's a gut feel thing as much as anything else. There was a time where Jason Spetz was the wheel man for the best line in the league. Um, went down to Dallas, signed a big contract. It wasn't terrible there at first, but it did start to fall off for him. And now he's a, a fourth line guy, just kind of doing his thing in, in Toronto. What do you think of Jason Spetz's legacy? I don't know how many more years of doing this fourth line thing he wants to do. He still looks fine this year, so we'll see how that goes. But long-term, how do you think he's remembered? You mean across the board or you remember, you mean here in town? Just in general, what's his career because his Ottawa days are his high watermark. Yeah. I think he's one of those guys where he is a la Gary Roberts, somebody who's, who found fitness mm-hmm. and, and became, and became dedicated to it and, and has become as somebody I believe who was always a student of the game. Yeah. Loves the game, loves to talk hockey, loves to get into the minutia of it. Yes. Um, I think he's transitioned as a guy who was uber talented, who was supposed to be like a, a hands down number one that, that sort of slipped, right? He was one of those guys that sort of kicked around the OHL as a, a dominant player, but Mm -hmm. sort of got tarnished. I don't remember who went one in his draft, but he fell to two, um, and was so talented, but people felt early on, like he didn't work hard enough. Right. Right. And, and then... You know, those super talented, high scoring pizza line years with, with Alfie and Heatley, you know, 07 going to the cup final where they were one, two, and three in, in playoff scoring. Right. Um, yeah, I think he had a problem in, in Dallas where he, he fell out of favor with the coach who I think thought he was supposed to be those Ottawa years, but he was sort of transitioning into his Toronto years. <laughs> his latter years. Yeah. Yeah. But where he is. You know, less minutes can be, can be really useful in a, in a, in a second power play unit, just yep. a bunch of things. Well, I that think he's still a great weapon on a second power play, but yeah, yeah, those big years of asking him to be the guy are for long, long gone, long gone. Right. But so to me, you look at, is he a hall of famer? No, 
I think you're right. Just it, around 400 goals right now. Sometimes is Joe Pavelski that, a Hall of Famer? See, I expect you're about to blindside me with some numbers I'm not aware of, but not not off the top of my head. No, no. I'm yeah. not going to blindside you, yeah. he, but he just scored his 400th goal. Right, okay, yeah. Friday night or whatever it right. was. Well, Spez is in that neighborhood. Like, so, But to me, Joe Pavelski, not a Hall of Famer. Right. right. Um, is Ryan Getzlaff a Hall of Famer? He might be. I don't know what his statistic, but but there's a cup there. There's two Olympic gold medals there. There's a World Junior Championship yep. there. Like guy's a winner, right? Yep. Like so, but his he's either just got a thousand points or he's closing in on a thousand points. Yeah, it's funny to be the way. Like I said, though, sometimes it's just a gut feel, right? Like that. But see, he's got the cup, the early yep. one. He yep. was on. He was. It was his second year, I believe. Oh yep. seven, right? But he was on that 05 World Junior team. Yeah, the Grand Forks team. He's got the as you say the two Olympics. He's got the cup. And he's just sort of hung around now. And he's got that thing where he's still wearing the C in, An- in Anaheim. And mm-hmm. he's, he's going to go coast to coast. Max having a pretty good year. Well, he's, he's at 20 points, I think. Yeah. Um, playing with Troy Terry, who's. Who <laughs> boy. Who's 13 goals, it. I think. Already. Yeah. Well, yeah. again, yeah. Well, he had another one Saturday night against Ottawa <laughs> uh, or Friday. But anyways, it's to me, gets laughs a Hall of Famer, Pavelski and Spezza. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, and um, you could have the debate, I guess. Jeff O'Neill said on uh, on Overdrive there late last Jeff week. Jeff O'Neill, not a Hall of Famer. Not a Hall of Famer. Um, that he had sent a, a text to Spez, who's, like I said, sitting somewhere just over 400 goals, and said, you know, can you stick around long enough, man? Can you ever get there? And Spez says, it was, it's way too late. And they got into a discussion that could he ever have gotten there? In a couple of those years in Ottawa. Are we talking about 500? What if he could about? have gotten to 500. Okay. It's too late now. He's not getting to 500. Yeah, yeah. But if a couple of those prime years in Ottawa, if he doesn't have Heatley on his wing, does he become more of a shoot more guy? Like I'm in the middle of this line, I'm the dish guy, right? Like I'm, I'm right. going to get the puck to Heatley or whatever, or uh, Heatley especially. Would I have shot more if I was the, if I didn't have that guy with me, right? Even yeah. if it was me, Alfie and, and so-and-so, but yeah. I can... It, it's McKechern. funny because at that point, sure, uh, Magnus Arvidsson. Or something. Funny listening to Gary Galley with with um, Victor Arvidsson playing for the Kings. Yeah, Gary Galley doing the doing the color. He dropped a he dropped a Magnus nice. Arvidsson on, on Saturday. Well, I only thought of his name because last week I guess was his birthday, and a bunch of the local Ottawa Ottawa radio types were wishing him happy birthday on, uh, and he was replying to them all on Twitter saying thanks. So. Not sure if he's still in town listening to TSN 1200 or what's going on there. But yeah, you just wonder as he comes up, you know, by the time it's all said and done, probably 70 or 80 short, but would a couple of those prime years gotten him there if he'd have, Or know. if Jacques Martin brought him up sooner instead of saying <laughs> it's a man's league, not a boy's league. Right. Sorry, get back to Binghamton or Charlottetown, wherever the farm Fredericton team, or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, Charlottetown. Anyways. Yeah. Um. That's, but he's one of those guys where now. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer either. I agree with you. He's managed to keep this career afloat a lot longer than I think a lot of people thought in that last year or two in Dallas where it was going, he was getting healthy, scratched in the playoffs. Like, For sure he was. Yeah. And and playing eight minutes a night now. So there's some nights where he plays 10 minutes a night in, yep. in Toronto and he seems to be. Well, and Leaf fans keep, when he's playing so well, there's too many fans who move him up, get him on that second line or get him with I think you're missing that maybe the magic in it, in him right now is knowing his limitations, right? And and maybe it's not true, but I do sort of agree with Keith on this front that we don't think anything more than 13 minutes for him right now is a good idea. And he 
we've seen it a few times when guys get hurt and he has to move up. Sometimes his play suffers a little when you can kind of still shelter him and use him like bury him in all offensive zone starts and, and play him 12, 13 minutes a night. He looks pretty effective still. So maybe the magic is in just knowing his limits now. And I think he'll play doubling back to my earlier statement. I think he'll play as long as some, as long as Toronto will have him. Yes. And so money's not an issue. Clearly. That he's just saying, yeah, man, I I will play for the minimum. I'm here in town anyways. Yep. This is home. So yeah, if I'm effective and I can still be useful and and I, I haven't seen a pile of leaf games recently, but early in the season, right? Yep. Still looking good. Yeah, no, I think so too. Last year was 56 games, so bit of a break. We'll see how he looks at the end of another 82 game run here. I do think they should be finding him some more, you know, nights off on the second half of a back-to-back or whatever to preserve him. But at the early stages of this year, there's no reason to not. If you wanted, if you asked right now, based on how this year has gone, would you bring that guy for League Bin again? Yeah, I would do that again, right? Like so. But, but we'll see, as as you say, now he's not going to the Olympics. No. He's not going to the All-Star game. There are going to be nice breaks for him. Yeah, nice three week. Uh, in, in the middle of the season, should we go to the Olympics? Right. Uh, there'll be nice breaks for him. It's true. Right. So, if uh, if imagine Keith, that, eh? Keeping his keeping his career alive with a fifty six game season over here, a nice three week break in the middle here. Yeah. <laughs> just, well, and again, <laughs> things uh, falling his way. This pandemic's been great news for Jason Spezza. <laughs> yeah, and so if you know he continues to keep himself in good shape and. And clearly he's got a passion for it, right? Yeah. And and to me, we'll see what happens this year, but this Toronto team could use a little passion. Sure. You know, who can't? Yeah. But <laughs> but some of us need it more than others, and uh, and that Leaf team is is calling out for it. Well, you think that that Columbus series or game four and they're on the verge of elimination, <laughs> he's dropping the gloves and fighting guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody do something. Yeah. Right? Look around. <laughs> what is happening here? Yeah. No, for sure. So, yeah, he... He is, he's got, he's got some, uh, he's still got some, some jam. Uh, your Blueyes have lost one of the, uh, the members of their rotation this year. Steven Matz has moved along, signed with the, uh, the Cardinals over the course of this past week. Um, the Blue Jays were in it and, uh, clearly had interest in, in bringing them back, but, uh, but lost out on it. I don't think they were terribly worried, right? Like, uh, I think right. they would like to have had him. I don't think it was a must have. Uh, what did you make of seeing him leave town and where that leaves them now? Well, and I, th- I think, I think he signed four years, 44 million ish yeah. with the Cardinals. That sounds Cardinals? about right. Yeah. The, it was the cards. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're like 11, 11 million for a guy who got you 14 wins last year. Like, right. I don't That's not bad. I didn't like the term though. Yeah. Okay. Four years. Yeah. I, I agree with you, but. It, you don't give your number five starter four years, right? Like. Wow, where, where's the guy going to fit? If, if 14 wins, if you get a guy who can get you 14 to 16 wins, I don't know if that guy's your is going to be your five. Well, who's going to be behind him? Maybe Ryu. <laughs> we'll see. Well, how okay. that goes. And this is it. We <laughs> talked about Ryu, right? Yeah. With, with the uh, with the spider tack and whatever yep. else, right? And and we'll see because he's got two more years and yeah, uh, when, expensive when he, ones. And when when he signed that, you're like three would have been better. Yep, but you wouldn't have got him. But this is it, right? He's like, no, man, I'm not, I'm not going up there for, for, you know, three years or two years. Yeah. Give me that extra fourth year for, 
you know, a and then like you say, you throw the tack thing on top of it, take away maybe some of his game. You're like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, so you are, ugly. you are looking at right now, you're looking at Berrios and you're looking at Manoa. Yep. And I do expect whether it's Ray or not, they will make, they'll find another top of the rotation starter, I believe. Right. And so then, but like to me, if, if, and I understand what you're saying in terms of Matt's stuff and, and him being a bit of a reclamation guy, mm-hmm. uh, is he another Pete Walker Sure. Jam, right? Be. That, that's been retooled and reworked and, and you just think, yeah, I, I think if you can get up, if you can get a starter for 11 million bucks, that to me is not, that's not crazy cash. No, it's 3 million more than you paid Robbie Ray for his Cy Young this year. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and that's a guy who's going to get paid. Sure is. And that also scares me. Yes. Right. No, and we've In talked about of, him too, whether you, whether you're comfortable with that or not. Right. But again, he, he's only, I was surprised that he was only, he's, he's around 30. Yes. Yeah. And so. To me, what scares me is the max effort and the fact that he's basically only throwing two pitches and is the league, especially the AL East going to figure it out quick. And you referenced last time I said that the Orioles and they may have found it, right. They may have figured him out. And what if that's it? the case, do you want to be giving that guy ace money as the rest of the division figures it out too? Nope. 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 And, and not for any If he signs like, this week, I'll come back and tell you I'm thrilled though. Well, okay, but we talked, <laughs> we talked about that, right? We also mentioned that before, right? Which is if he doesn't sign and he signs somewhere else, we can, we can find all kinds of stuff. Yeah. To all put, the negatives. To exactly. To go, okay, look at that. Dodged a bullet. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> and then if he signs, then you look at the whole flip side and you go, wow. Cy Young winner just signed back and Toronto. This is it. And him and R.A. Dickey, which is, which is what I brought up <laughs> last time too, right? <laughs> Yeah. Who, who comes out to be a, you know, we were lucky if he was a 500 pitcher, but, yeah. but uh, pitched a lot of innings, mm-hmm. which people like to say, but to me, if that's what you're hanging your hat on, loser. Well, well so on that note, just as a quick diversion, last night, Saturday night, Chris Russell sets the record for most shot blocks in NHL history. All that says to me is congratulations for being on the ice for more shots against than yeah. for never having the puck when you're yeah. on the ice. Your team is constantly under siege while you play. Good for you, bud. Well, and that is the thing, right? When you look at the two stats, um, hits. Hits and shot blocks. Hits and shot blocks, right? And and how valuable those are. Sure. But they are less valuable. Because <laughs> you don't have the puck. If you're on a puck possession <laughs> team, right? Like you don't see, you know. Well, Leafs, there's not a lot, can't be a lot of that going on there, right? No. In terms of those types of teams, right? Whereas Tortorella's Rangers, those sorts of things where you're like. Yeah, they're the top line out there insisting they block shots. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't know, man. Shattered ankle later on. Uh, and that's how you end up with guys like Del Zotto and Stepan <laughs> who are like finished by 27. Right. So as we stay then on the Blue Jays, like. You obviously would have like, at that price, you would have been comfortable had they brought him back. Are you concerned that they didn't? I'm, I'm really concerned by what's left out there right now. There are, the, you know, they talk about Scherzer and they Ray and, and whatever Looks else. Looks like Scherzer's going to some, one of the California teams. He's made that pretty clear, I think. Okay. So, you know, I was, I was reading or listening to something that was talking about that the Jays may have to go to the trade route, yes. right? In terms of finding somebody who has, cause, and, and the thing I, I heard them talk about was the cost certainty that came with with having Ray, Matz, and Simeon all for 30, 31 and change. Yes. Right? 
well, I think now you're going to be, be lucky if you get two guys for that and, and none of them having the impact of, right. of a Cy Young winner and an MVP candidate in, in Simeon, right? And so I am concerned with, with, I don't think you need to replace all three of them, but man, you need two pieces. Yeah. You need to spend that 32 million on, on two pieces, a starter and a, uh, an infielder. I find myself in a weird spot where I, I wouldn't have said this even a year ago, although I'd have been closer to it. I'm, I believe in this management group. I think they're, they've done enough good things. They've made enough shrewd moves over the years to let me go. All right. Cause not, this what, is still when, very, when did that change. Well, like I said, it was, I think last year I was probably still sort of doubting them. So it was probably somewhere over the course of this year where you look at Simeon, you look at Ray and you look at all uh, Matt's, you look at all these guys that went out and brought in, you go, man, a lot of success there, right? Like, cause we were hammering them this time last year saying yeah. again, the, the market is, is emptying out and they've done shit. But if we're being real, like this is still pretty early. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In the off season. It's for not sure. even like, I think when Ryu signed the year before that, it was like December 20th or something like that. And this year, a lot of shit's crazy because the, the CBA expires on December 1st. You don't know how many guys are going to wait until after. It does seem to be surprising some of the reporters, how many guys preferred to get their certainty beforehand, right? And, and actually do deals that they didn't see coming. So, so we'll see. Um, but I, I do, I find myself more confident or more comfortable that, that they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll, they'll go out. I do believe, you know, especially having the backing that they clearly have financially from Rogers that wasn't so evident in, in previous years. Uh, I think it'll be all right. So I'm not concerned yet. If they were to show up to spring training with this roster, yeah, I'd be concerned. Yeah, and, and I don't disagree with you. I just, I, I hearken back to probably the last two off seasons, right? And thinking all the talk. Now they also got Springer. That's worth, yeah. it's worth talking about. Yep. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like a lot of things were sort of sliding and sliding and, and it was underwhelming at the time. But well, Especially because before Springer... The Jays were mentioned repeatedly. Runner up was the Blue Jays. Jays yeah. were second on everybody. Yeah. Like, All right, and, fuck and, this. and that's one of those things where, and that was two, at least two years in a row, it was like that, right? Yeah. They're in, they're rumored, they're in the hunt for yeah. all this big game. And then you come up with nothing, right? And so. But yeah, once they got, they did Ryu two years ago, they did Springer last year, you know, uh, Ray, Simeon and Matt. There's a lot of good there, right? A lot of good things where you go, all right. And then Barrios this year, you go, all right, they're doing their thing, right? They're delivering on everything they said they were going to do as, as, is getting done. So I find myself, you know, as we sit here still in November going, it'll, it'll probably be all right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and really it, it's, it is still far too early for anybody to get up tight. I just, it was an interesting signing, yep. right? And, and to me, the value, uh, the term is, is, is one thing, but yeah, that, that was what, however you want to describe it. He was your winningest pitcher. Yep. True. I think the other thing we wanted to touch on is just this kind of building tension around the Chinese Olympics. There's there's COVID questions. There is uh, humanitarian concerns. There's environmental concerns. Um, all of which, maybe not the COVID, uh, should have been fairly predictable when uh, China was awarded another Olympic Games. But one of the big things that has set the alarm bells off ringing here over the last week or two was the disappearance of Peng Shui the uh, Chinese tennis star who came out on her social media, said uh, some not so nice things about a relationship she'd had with someone who is now a powerful member of the Chinese government and then disappeared. 
and um, lots of different sporting organizations and news organizations were concerned for her safety, wanted to know what was happening. Uh, I believe it was the WTA. Correct. That said, uh, yeah, we they told us we're fine. Like, she's okay. And I don't think anybody particularly bought it. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a moving story, man. And the Olympics are once again, looking fairly controversial. What do you think of all this? Well, and, and all those issues with China were issues when they awarded them in 08. Yep. So none of this has changed. Um, and I think it was a sexual assault allegation she made against either a former high ranking party member or still and yeah and how her tweet went went down 20 minutes later yeah and then she was not seen right um and as you say the WTA is 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 asking questions um the IOC was asking questions yeah uh, and the IOC of all the people I'm like well, this is what I'm saying, right? If they yeah. tell uh, tell you we've heard she's fine, yeah. you shut the fuck up too. Your words nothing, yeah. right? Like, Bach or whoever that is that's uh yeah. like a very crooked organization. Um yeah, the the WTA is is actually trying to put pressure on the cuz you you're you're hearing things, you're seeing still photos. Mm-hmm. There was a photo of Peng Shui and 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 Bach, I believe. But it was a still photo. There was, which came from apparently a video. You're like, well, where's the video? Yeah, can we see that? And so, it, it's funny. Um, it's it's like one of those things where you need to see something. Can you can you show me like how do I know what the day is today? Need a like, hostage video, right? Here's today's newspaper. Right. Here's, yeah. Like exactly. Like how do you not? You need some other proof, and so. In a country where, and, and we're clearly sensitive to it with the two Michaels just being released and you have, where you can obviously be detained for nothing. Yeah. And you can disappear for nothing. Clearly. Um, what are we doing? What are we doing here in terms of, is the games, you know, between the Olympics, the IOC and, and FIFA and these major organizations, which really only care about money. They don't care about lives cost. Right. And you're like, what, what is, I, I, I Well, because really... the WTA even has piles of money on the line if they piss off the Chinese government, right? There are events there, there are sponsorships there. Uh, there's a pile of flex that China has over a lot of industries right now, including the IOC and, and the IOC, like you said, has its own issues. There's a million reasons right now to think an Olympic games in Beijing is a pretty terrible idea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, and sorry, I, I wasn't sure where, well, where just, else that was going. And, and, but yeah, it's, it comes down to. Well, I'd already laid them out. You'd have, you're, yeah. you accused me earlier of my run on sentences. I was just going to let you have it there. No, no. Uh, I said long winded. Okay. I, di- I didn't, I didn't say it wasn't, wasn't gold. <laughs> there wasn't all kinds of gems in there. Um, there just was a part where my, I started to get dust on my eyeballs. I'm like. This long monologue we got going on here. Well, maybe, you know what? Sometimes, man, I'm just like, I got this. I'll just take this. I know. <laughs> and you have a pile of shit to say. And it's, and it's, it's useful and it's worthwhile. Yeah. Um, Thank you. It, to me, it, it comes down useful to. Useful and worthwhile. When. <laughs> yes. The nicest thing you've ever said. Yeah. No, I'm glad I could be part of it. Um, you know, the new variant. What is it called? Omicron. Omicron. I'm like, wow, that sounds very terrible. Actually um, reminds me of. 
something Captain Picard would say, set course for the Omicron system. Make it so. nerdling. Fuck yeah, man. (laughs) Big TNG guy. Okay. Um, Make it so. Yeah. Um, Yeah. With that happening and and it's it's just, you look at things are only going to get worse COVID wise in the winter. Yep. I just, human rights violations, disappearing people. It just. All that being said, there's zero chance this is getting canceled. We just, we just did this with Tokyo, which God love them is at least a free country that, you know, doesn't disappear people for saying things they don't like. Doesn't disappear people. That's what I'm going with, man. Okay. <laughs> and it's, it, at the end of the day, it would have been far better off to not have an Olympic Games, but there was too much money on the line and everyone, we're going to fucking have an Olympic Games. That's exactly where we are yeah, now. I, and I agree with you. They're if you, going. If, if you look at, at the shit splatter that happened with the NBA and people speaking out about about things in, in China saying, yeah, well, you, can, you can take your basketball and the billions of dollars and get the hell out of here. Yeah, that like, was a oh. year or two ago. There was one assistant general manager who said something like free Tibet, I think is all it was. Yeah. And the NBA or uh, the Chinese government went, well, that's a problem for us. And I think he said it while NBA players were over there playing preseason games, which was a much bigger problem. Yeah. Uh, and they just pulled their money. And like, it's a country of a billion people. There are more people watching in China than watch most in any other market, right? Yeah. It is the population just being what it is. Well, they have tremendous financial flex on the NBA and they had to all come out and go, no, no, we think China's free. We yeah. think China's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Till we why, get the fuck out of here. Why are, why are those things just sort of dubbed in there? <laughs> right. It's, it's a Chinese voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we think China is free. <laughs> we think China is a... Great place to be. <laughs> like they've taken some other video and they've just sort of cut and pasted. Yeah, like those old samurai movies. From exactly. Japan, right? like, you want to fight someone? <laughs> fight me. Um, yeah. And, and with 1.3, 1.4 billion people, like you just tack on, like you lopped off 400 million people. Yeah, well, the entire United States. Well, this is basically. it. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that's just, and, and again, at the NHL, they want a piece of that. Give me 5% or wh- whatever it is, right? Yep. They're just clamoring for any little crumb from the table. Right. And so when it comes down to it, you're right. People are willing, clearly, to look past all kinds of shit for the filthy lucre. And that's it. Like the Biden said last week, they're considering a diplomatic boycott where some of your, you know, politicians and other people who go over and hobnob that they wouldn't go, but the athletes are still going to go. Now we can have the conversation about the NHL and their COVID. Like I do believe it's possible the NHL pulls out, but these Olympics, they're happening and everybody's going, nobody's going to boycott. Nobody's doing shit. Julian and the Spengler team is going to be on the way. Like that, man. Bruce Boudreaux is his assistant. Yeah, that's a stacked, it's a stacked. It's good coaching. Like I wouldn't feel that prop, like I'd be fine if that coaching staff was running. The I, NHL team. I was sure that Claude Julian was going to end up in Florida. Like retired? No. Just hanging <laughs> Just, out at Del Boca Vista. Yeah, no. I, you know, that, that's a team that's clearly calling out for a an experienced... A couple people are now saying maybe Vancouver. 
they've checked in with Montreal to see if they could talk to him. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and if you listen to, and it's funny because I, I know we're, we're doubling away, but it's we right. can, the, uh, the 32 thoughts on Saturday night, which you probably didn't watch. I did actually. Cause the Leafs weren't playing. Yeah. That's not the only part I watched, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's just like, uh, they're, everyone's talking about Vancouver, like, ah, it's all, it's happening. Yeah. It's like, whatever. It's just a matter of when Benning and. Yeah. And, and, and just wait and, and get and Travis taken it back and. Yeah. And you're like. Execution style. <laughs> well, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago saying, yeah, like green is just a, like, he's just a dead man walking because yep. that team is clearly packed it in. And you look at that, that clip of JT Miller saying, yeah, when we're all buying in and we're all working together, we're a, we're a decent team. Right. And then somebody's like. The reporter asks him. Yeah. Are, are there people not buying in? And he's like. No comment. Yeah. And you're like. <laughs> he rolls his eyes a little and. Yeah. But what, like, are, we're not stupid. Right. We're watching. We clearly see there's people not buying in there. One of the things that's been pointed out, I guess, a couple times is that everybody believes there's change coming, but you have to be super careful with your hires now because, you know, we just did the Kyle Beach thing, right? We just, and that cost Joel Quinville in Florida and you need to know everything about the person you're about to hire. And so it's taking a long time. And Fred Friedman has speculated that, yeah, maybe they're both gone, but they're both just doing that dead man's walk every day until we're done interviewing the people that that we're actually going to come in here. Now that's only one theory. I've also seen it reported that even the Aquilini brothers who own the team can't agree on tear it down, start over, or, you know, go, you know, add to it. And, and so it's a fucking mess in, in Vancouver. But, uh, yeah, I did hear that Claude Julian was one of the, uh, well, the names on the, and you look at, at the flip side too, the, the little bit of the shit show that's happened in Montreal in terms of a little bit. Hello, friends. Just jumping back in here for a second to let you know that this is the part of the show where we started talking uh, on a brief sidetrack or, uh, you know, tangent, as we do from time to time, about the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, there was some news on Saturday about Scott Mellenby, their assistant general manager, stepping down and why that had happened um, and just what was next for the Canadiens. And it's all irrelevant now. About, uh, I don't know, three minutes after we finished recording and Rob was getting ready to head out the door, uh, news broke. They have cleaned house in Montreal. Mark Bergevin, the general manager, and Trevor Timmins, uh, their you know head of pro scouting or uh, amateur scouting, excuse me, um, out the door as well as uh, a couple other names. But uh, those are the important ones, of course. Mark Bergevin as the longtime general manager since 2009, um, been a presence there for a very long time, and Timmins. Look, he's been a fairly prominent name for a while, but he was under fire big time this summer as the guy who oversaw the uh, the drafting of Logan Mayu, and uh, we all remember that story, and um, you know the fact that most teams were not prepared to draft that kid after what he had done, and the Montreal Canadiens in the first round went ahead and said, "Yeah, all right, we can do that." So they leave quite a legacy, this pair or, or this group. Um, you know, having not won anything, not really had any kind of notable success or su sustained success. Uh, they're not leaving with the organization in a great place in terms of young talent up and coming. And they're not leaving the organization with a great reputation anymore either. Um, you know, having done what they did this summer in, in drafting this kid. So kind of being shuffled out the door in disgrace. And, and some Montreal Canadiens fans, I'm sure, will take uh, 
um, umbrage with that way of uh, of describing everything that's gone on here. Um, I don't want to get into a whole thing about the Montreal Canadiens uh, right now. We will dissect this at some point, but because we had discussed the Habs on the show, uh, it felt important to come in and uh, remove that, drop this insert to at least say that we acknowledge what's happened here today. Uh, the one point I will leave you with, because look, we've discussed the Habs for quite a while. I haven't liked a lot of what they've done. Uh, Josh Anderson, to me, giving that guy seven years times $5.5 million. He has done nothing to show that that was a good idea. Um, they were blindsided by what happened by Carey Price, and and Price should take all the time that he needs to come out of that, but that isn't Mark Bergevin's fault, and by all accounts, he has stood behind Carey Price there. Um, but the Shea Weber deal, when they made it, we thought was a slam dunk win for the Nashville Predators. That turned out to not be the case. PK also fell off quite a bit while Shea Weber continued to uh, to play pretty well for the Montreal Canadiens. But he was also significantly older and had a significantly longer contract, which was always going to be a problem. And it has proven to be one uh, as we sit here now with him not in the lineup. So there are some things that were outside of this group's control. But overwhelmingly, they have not done a good job. And so let me leave you with this as the, the last thing that I'll say today. And like I said, down the road or in a couple of days, we will get into the Montreal Canadiens uh, and do this more in depth. But the initial conversation we had today about the Habs was not a long one because we did get into it quite a bit last week, episode 905. Uh, and not much has changed other than the fact that the, the guys have now been fired or removed from their uh, from their positions um, but in terms of everything we thought was wrong with the team a week ago today on episode 905 is still wrong with the team and and now someone has been held accountable. So let me just leave you with this. I want to hit you with their first round draft picks since 2009 up until 2018. I sort of wrestled with how far to go. Like it's not fair to rule out a 2020 or a 2021 or a, even a 2019 first round pick as being a bust because they're too young, right? Cole Caulfield may yet turn out to be a really good hockey player. Um, most people seem to think he will. It's just way too early to say that he has or he hasn't. So I sort of cut it off at 2018. And here are the names that uh, this group, which was run by Marc Bergevin since 2009, here are the guys they have drafted in the first round since 2009. And you can decide for yourself whether or not you believe that you know, he has set this organization up for long-term success based on these names. In 2009, Louis LeBlanc. In 2010, Jared Tenorti. In 2011, Nathan Beaulieu. In 2012, Alex Gelchenyuk. In 2013, Michael McCarron. In 2014, Nikita Sherback. 2015, Noah Juleson. 2016, Mikhail Sergachev. 2017, Ryan Paling, and 2018, Jesperi Kutkanyemi. So look, some okay players in that group, some busts, clearly, but anyone that you look at there and go, absolutely, I would do that again with a first round pick outside of Sergachev, who they traded away, like, is that better? Yeah, we got somebody, but we're going to punt him down the road to Tampa where he's now part of a core that has won two straight Stanley Cups. That's not great asset management uh, once you've actually made a first-round selection that you're pretty happy with. Kutkanyemi, we'll see. That's only 2018. It looks like he may become a contributing member to a, a, a decent team. 
because again, you have traded him away uh, to the Carolina Hurricanes. I guess it wasn't a trade; it was a uh, an offer sheet. So, you know, whatever you think about that, that was going to be a difficult pill to swallow uh, for Montreal to match that offer sheet. But you left yourself in bad cap shape, which is why you were vulnerable to that. So again, they have to take some responsibility there. Is he going to be an absolute star? Doesn't look like it. They reached with that pick because they felt at the time like they needed a center. Um, and, you know, you can kind of say now, and we'll see long-term how their careers play out, they probably would have been better off with Brady Kachuk. So we'll see. But there's a bunch of guys there that are just... That's terrible, right? Like Ryan Paling is another one. Maybe he'll become a contributing member, but he's not ever going to be, it doesn't look like, a number one line center. And at some point, when you're drafting in the first round, those guys have to to convert. And when I look at that name, you know, your Noah Julesons and your Nikita Sherbacks, right? And Louis LeBlanc, like, these aren't good players. These are not good first round selections. And at some point... When you let somebody run your organization for over a decade and they consistently make picks like this, you end up in trouble like this with an aging core, having to make trades um, and and signing older guys to not great contracts. That's where the Montreal Canadiens are right now. And so someone had to pay the price. No one's happy to see anybody lose their job. But at the same time, this is the way pro sports works, right? If you're not delivering, if you're not producing... If you're not turning the organization around, then yeah, you're probably going to go. And like I said, in this last sort of eight months or so, they haven't done much in terms of bolstering the team's reputation either, right? With some of the things that they've said. And, um, you know, you think about Trevor Timmons and he was actually asked about that selection of Logan Mayu and he just stood there silent for what seemed like 40 seconds. You had to know you were going to be asked that question. It was pretty obvious, right? People were not going to like that move. Uh, the PR department already had a, a release drafted on why they, they were deeming it acceptable. Nobody else had to do that. No other NHL team had to prepare a press release saying, here's why we think it's okay to draft the, this kid that you just don't draft him. So they've done a bad job on a few fronts. And look, when you've been there for 10, 11, 12 years, whatever it's been now, it's time for change. And... um the Montreal Canadiens have done that. So Jeff Gordon has come in. He looks like he's going to be the guy, you know, ran the New York Rangers for a long time that at least sort of steers the ship for now while they figure this out. And of course, Montreal has announced that uh, part of the job of the next general manager will be able to communicate with uh, fans of the team who speak both French and English. So they are limiting their scope to not the best candidate available, but only the best bilingual candidate available. That's a whole other thing. We've talked about it before. It sure limits the amount of people you can interview and whatever. If you believe that's the way to run an organization, then power to you, I guess. So we'll leave it there. Um, like I said, there had been a brief sort of conversation about the Montreal Canadiens in this episode um, that was immediately stale. As soon as we stopped recording, uh, this news broke. And so wanted to come back in, touch on it, just give some initial thoughts. It's long overdue, in my opinion. Uh, someone else needs to be running that organization. But we'll get more into it in the coming days and weeks um, because the saga of the Montreal Canadiens is far from over. Uh, now back to regularly scheduled programming on the Tall Can Audio Podcast. Yeah, they're done. They're as done as Ottawa yeah, is, right? Here. Yeah. So they need to do something. True enough, man. Anything else for this one? No, I think that's it. All right. 
Beijing, it's a bad idea. We're going to do it anyway. Yes, exactly. That's where we landed on that. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at TallCanAudio, Facebook.com slash TallCanAudio. As I mentioned off the top of the show, a couple great episodes there in the archives now. First uh, 906 with Andy Nita talking about the uh, advent calendar and the craft beer industry here in Ontario right now. And episode 907 with Dr. Vicky Forster. More beer, Leafs, and... Uh, COVID. And COVID. The uh, How to make this uh, this process a little easier on your kid. Um, and like I said, the article there is also at tallcanaudio.com. Uh, with that in mind, we'll wind this one down here. For Rob, my name's Matt, and we'll see you all next time. See ya! Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app and find us on social media at Tall Can Audio.